Today on Your Money, Your Wealth podcast number 349, Joe and Big Al answer your questions about paying taxes on your Roth IRA conversions, how to calculate the tax, when to pay, and more. Plus, a couple months ago, many of you completed the YMYW podcast survey to help us make this your favorite show. As part of that, we ask what questions you'd like to have answered on the podcast. And today, the fellas start diving into that grab bag. They're offering ideas on using 529 plan money, explaining 401A rules, the alternative minimum tax, and the latest tax proposals, plus calculating employer solo 401K contributions. And that's just the tip of the iceberg. If you've got money questions, visit your yourmoneyyourwealth.com and click Ask Joe and Big Al on air to send them in as a voice message or as an email. I'm producer Andy Last, and here are the hosts of Your Money, Your Wealth, Joe Anderson, CFP, and Big Al Clopine, CPA. Uh, Lisa. Liza. Liza. Liza Manelli. Right. Uh, writes in from San Diego. Hi, Joe and Big Al. I'm a new listener to your podcast, and I enjoy listening to both of you. I retired in December of 2020 and 61. Because I have to take care of my mother, uh, my husband ret- retired in 2015. We're in the 12% tax bracket. He probably answered a lot of questions regarding Roth IRA. No, this is <laughs> Have we ever first one. talked about Roth conversions? First one. I would like to do a Roth conversion. Is it possible, uh, please, to give me calculations on how much to pay federal and state taxes on a $60,000 Roth conversion. When I was planning to do a conversion at Vanguard, they were asking me about tax withholding, and I don't know how much. Another question is regarding my 401k and Roth 401k. For my understanding, if I withdraw from my 401k, I don't have to pay federal taxes, but I have to pay state taxes. How much is state tax in California? My last concern is my Roth 401k. Do I still need to roll over it first to a traditional IRA before I rolling it into my Roth IRA? I thought federal and state taxes have been paid because it's a Roth. I hope you'll be able to answer my questions. Thank you for your time. Um, okay, we got a lot of stuff to unpack here. Yeah, we do. Um, really do good have? questions, and yep. I'm glad you, you you caught our show, and so we can kind of save your life here. Because <laughs> there's a couple of things that are a little off. A little off. Um, okay, so Liza wants to do a $60,000 Roth conversion. So she says, my husband and I are in the 12% tax bracket. So the top of the 12% tax bracket for a married couple is roughly $80,000. Correct. And if you take out the standard deduction of 25,000, that gives you, um, what is that? Let's say 80, 90, $105,000. Correct. That, you could potentially convert and be in that 12% tax bracket if you have no other income on your tax return. Yeah, just making it real simple. And we, we know from experience, most of you, many of you use the itemized deduction since it's generous and they took away the state taxes. So pro- standard, oh, sta- standard the state taxes on the, yeah, um, on the standard on the, uh, on the itemized. Itemized, yeah, that's right. So, uh, which is 25,000. So yeah, in other words, if your total income is 105,000, including the $60,000 Roth conversion, then you're going to be in that 12% bracket. So it's not too difficult. 12% of the 60,000, right, is, is, your, is your number. Yeah. So that's about what seventy two hundred. Mm-hmm. See if I got the math right. Seventy two hundred bucks. And then on the state side, uh, it's graduated. It's a little harder to calculate in my head, but let's just say seven 
percent, 7%, 8%. I don't know. Let's say 8%. I was going to say something less than that, but yeah, yeah. We'll say we'll say seven. So okay. that, that'd be like forty-two hundred. These are rough, rough numbers. If you want to know for sure, what you do is you you get TurboTax, you plug in your numbers in TurboTax without the Roth conversion, and then you do another uh, version with the Roth conversion and see what the difference in tax is, and that's how much you have to pay. If you want to get more exact on this, so I guess her question is, um, you know, Vanguard's asking me how much money that I would like to withhold in taxes. Right. We would say zero. You want to pay the tax outside of the the, the retirement account. So Agreed. you're sixty thousand dollars. You want to convert, put a hundred percent of that sixty grand into the Roth. Then you're going to get a federal tax bill of roughly $7,000 next year, give or take. We don't know what your other income yeah. sources are. It could be less. It could be more. That's right. Um, and that's federal plus state. Uh, on federal yeah. then plus state. So call it $10,000, $11,000 total in taxes that you're going to have to pay to get $60,000 in the Roth. So why would you want to do that? Why would you want to pay $11,000 to get $60,000 into the Roth? Because the $60,000 will forever grow 100% tax-free. The 60,000 grows to 70,000, 80,000, 90,000. You pull it out then, you're not going to pay tax. There's no way around the tax. You're going to have to pay that $11,000 in tax at some point in your life. So would you rather pay it now when tax rates are low and don't have to ever worry about the tax again? Alan, I believe that's probably the right answer. So you don't have to convert all 60,000 either. Let's say you just want to convert 10,000, right? And then your tax on that is 1200 bucks. Maybe you want to convert 20,000, 30,000, do some small chunks over the next several years because you're still pretty young. Um, I believe, what is she, 61 Six, years of age? 61, yep. So you still have multiple years until Social Security kicks in, depending on when you claim it. Or um, you have multiple years until you're required a minimum distribution. So... That's some ideas that we have for you in regards to converting. Yeah. And, and so, by the way, as a follow-up to that, so it's better if you have money outside of a retirement account to pay the tax with that. Let's call it the $11,000. And then you get the whole 60000 in to the Roth. Now, if you don't have that, if you don't have money outside of retirement, you could do a withholding because you're over 59 and a half. So at least there's no penalty. But now you end up with 49000 in the Roth instead of fifty. So it, it can still make sense as long as you're over 59 and a half, but that's not the preferred method. The preferred method is to use other resources to pay the tax. Um, second, you um, stated here, for my understanding, if I withdraw my 401k, I do not have to pay federal taxes. Uh, no, any dollar that you take out of the 401k plan, you'll be subject to federal taxes and state taxes. Both, yep. So, um, and that's because you got a tax deduction when you put the money in. And so when it comes out, it's fully taxable. The Roth 401k, um, you would move that directly into a Roth IRA. Uh, don't put it into an IRA. Yeah. Cause that would blow you up because then to get it out of the IRA, now you have to pay taxes on it and just a mapping on it. You, you could make a mistake there. So just make sure you put a Roth IRA or Roth 401k into a Roth IRA. Yeah. So just if you think of the sequence, so a Roth 401k, if you want to go ahead and, and transfer that to a Roth IRA, that's fine. No taxes, no problem, no issue. If you have a regular 401k and you want to transfer that to a regular IRA, no problem. It's you basically deferring the taxes in one vehicle or another. The only time where there's a problem is when you have a regular 401k and you put it directly into your Roth IRA. Well, that's called a 
conversion. <laughs> you got to pay federal and state taxes on that. So um, a few things for you. Hopefully that answers your question. Um, in, do you want to roll the Roth out? Um, I would, depending on your plan, because sometimes, let's say if you have a Roth 401k, you have a 401k plan with a, a Roth provision and it's um, a pre-tax or, or standard provision, I guess. Um, and you have $50,000 in Roth and $50,000 of pre-tax. And you want to take $10,000 out of the account. Sometimes you can't elect if you want to take Roth or pre-tax. They're going to give you pro rata. So 5,000 is going to come out Roth, 5,000 is going to come out taxable. And so the whole idea of tax diversification, of having money into a Roth, having money in pre-tax, having money into a, a brokerage account is for you to be able to control your distributions when you pull the money out to create your income to keep yourself in the lowest tax bracket possible. Most of individuals have all of their savings in a 401k plan. They have very little control over their taxes because it's all tax at ordinary income rates. You pull out $100,000 out of your 401k or IRA, you're going to be taxed federal and state on the $100,000, depending on what tax bracket you're in. But let's say I want to pull out $100,000. Well, I might only pull out $60,000 from my 401k plan to keep me in the 12% tax bracket. Then I'm going to pull another $40,000 out of my Roth IRA. I'm not going to pay any tax whatsoever. So I'm going to be able to control my taxes long-term if I have that diversification. So um, Lisa's on the right track that she's got a Roth IRA. She wants to do some conversions and she wants to be able to control her taxes long-term. However, you're getting confused a little bit on the rules so be careful. Once you make these mistakes with the IRAs or 401ks, sometimes it's irrevocable. You blow yourself up. I mean, we've seen people take huge distributions out of reti retirement accounts, like to purchase homes. Right. Or to pay off a mortgage. To pay off, yeah. yeah. Uh, they, they took 400 grand out of their, their 401k plan when they retired to pay off their mortgage. Yeah. $400,000 mortgage. They're all excited. They come see us and they say, look what I did. And we say, whoops, <laughs> how are you going to pay the tax on that 400,000? Right. Oh, well, what do you mean? How much is it going to be? Well, it's going to be like 200 grand. <laughs> so what are they going to do? They've got to refinance their house to pull the money out to pay the tax the next year. Yeah, the, 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 what they paid off in the first place. So be very, very careful with these accounts. You know, once you kind of Humpty Dumpty falls off the, the ledge there, it's pretty hard to, you know, put them back together. So let's move on to Tammy. Tammy made a Roth IRA conversion of $65,000 in 2021 because of my low income this year. Should I pay federal and estimated taxes before filing my 2021 tax return so I don't have to pay interest and penalties on this conversion? Thank you. I would say, Tammy, probably, which isn't a great answer, but let me explain. Um, so when, you, when you're thinking about estimated payments, you have a couple ways to avoid penalty. One is to pay in either 100% of last year's tax. So that's one way to avoid penalty. A second way is to pay in 90% of this year's tax. So if you're telling me that your income is a lot lower this year, I'm assuming you've got less withholdings, maybe not enough withholdings to cover last year's tax, I'm guessing. So you probably will have to make estimated payments. And those estimated payments would start in the quarter that you actually did the Roth conversion, right? So let, let's just say you did the, the uh, Roth conversion in November, uh, for example, then you would have to start making estimated payments on the fourth quarter estimated payment, which would be on January 15th of the following year. 
Yeah, it gets a little complicated, but $65,000, let's say if she did pay, um, she doesn't pay anything, you know, the, the penalties are wouldn't be too severe as long as she pays, you know, right away. Yeah, so let's talk about that because people get so excited about penalties and, and really the way the IRS computes penalties is based upon an interest charge and the interest rate is currently 3%, which isn't a high rate. I'm not saying don't, you know, you might want to avoid it, but it's not a huge rate. The best way for you to pay the tax on your Roth conversion might be different than for other listeners. So maybe don't rely exclusively on an off-the-cuff YMYW spitball when making decisions that impact your financial future, your taxes, and your retirement. A free financial assessment with a certified financial planner professional on Joe and Big Al's team at Pure Financial Advisors is much more than a spitball analysis. It's a deep dive into your current financial situation, your ability to tolerate risk, your retirement needs and goals, and many other factors to help you develop strategies to reduce your taxes and make the most of your retirement. Click the link in the description of today's episode in your podcast app to go to the show notes and click get an assessment to schedule a no cost, no obligation financial assessment at a time and date that's convenient for you. We got, well, this is a long one. What do you think, Al? You ready? I'll do it if you will. No. There's actually a follow-up question. Maybe just answer the first one. Yeah. Some people just get really aggressive. <laughs> it probably took... Anyway, all right, here we go. D from Irvine. Dear Joe, Al, and Andy, this is my favorite podcast, and I look forward to the weekly drop on iTunes. Well, thank you, D. 2018-2019, uh, we did backdoor Roth contributions for my spouse, who at the time had all his retirement assets, either in a 401k or 403b. In 2020, we rolled over his old employer 403b into an IRA. That same year, I mistakenly did a backdoor Roth contribution and paid the tax on almost the entire amount of $7,000 per the pro rata rule. Since now, all of his after-tax IRA contributions are in his Roth IRA. Is this traditional IRA after tax basis, zero. Do I need to still file form 8606 moving forward? Uh, the total after tax traditional IRA contributions from 2018 to 2020 was 18,500. The first two years were straightforward backdoor Roth contributions. Uh, 2020 was the only year we had a pre-tax IRA assets mixed with the after tax IRA contributions. Thank you. D from Irvine. My favorite drink is a glass of Justin Cabernet. All right. Oh, I thought this went on for like two pages. Or... Well, there's. A I was wondering why you were complaining about it being so long. Oh, uh, it's. I thought oh, you're right. It is only one page. Yeah, it said where to contribute. For some, I thought it said continue. Yeah. <laughs> yeah next question. Okay. All right. So no, but she does have a follow up that's right there at the end. So got it. Um, okay. I, here's here's my question to D. So she was doing backdoor Roth contributions. So she was making after-tax contributions to the IRA, then converting them into a Roth IRA. Because it was an after-tax contribution, uh, the basis was the same amount as the contribution. So when they did the conversion, there was no tax. Um, however, what happened was that they moved a 403B asset into an IRA. 
which triggered the pro rata in aggregation rules um, in the conversion. So when she made that conversion, Alan, this is what is kind of interesting to me is that she said that um, they pay tax on the entire amount of $7,000. Yeah. Well, I think she said mostly. Okay. So presumably the 403B rolled over was a large balance. Okay. I agree with that. That's, that's what I was um, hinting at too, but that was in 2020. And then now she's saying that all of, the 403b money is now in a Roth. Coach, you said, yeah, I got, I sort of got lost in part of this. Let's see. So, okay. You, since you put, now, all right. Yeah. So, right. I mistakenly did a backdoor Roth contribution and paid taxes on almost the entire amount of $7,000 per the pro rata rule. Okay. So she did the backdoor um, or she made the contribution and then she did the conversion and was like, oops, you know what? I, I rolled that 403B into an IRA. So now I have to take a look at all IRAs versus basis and non-basis. And so basically she said, I pay tax on the entire $7,000 conversion. So I agree with you, Alan. That's telling me that that 403B was a fairly large balance because the pro, if it was a small balance, she wouldn't have paid 100% tax on the, you know, on the back door. It would have been a lot smaller amount just because of the, how the pro rata rule works. Sure. And, and in doing so, there still would be some basis tax basis left. So you'd still have to do the form 8606. And if you use TurboTax or your CPA does it, it's actually an automatic form done by your computer. So don't worry about it. It's real simple. If you're doing it by hand, then don't <laughs> go get TurboTax or get a professional to help you. But then here, if I read on, she goes, since now all of his after-tax IRA contributions are in his Roth. Yeah. So that's after, so all of his after-tax, not that he did a Roth conversion on the big balance. Is this traditional IRA after-tax balance zero? So I think she's. After-tax basis zero. Yeah. Okay. She's mixing two concepts, but I think what she's, she's saying our, our future contributions are in the, let's see, let me, well, I mean, I'm getting lost here again. Contribution are in his Roth IRA. Right. Oh, so she's thinking she could do the back door. She can't. She can't because of the it's rollover the same, of the 403B. It's, it's the same problem. Right. <laughs> it and doesn't then, change. So she, get, she goes, the total after-tax traditional IRA contributions from 2018 to 2020 was 18500 Well, she'd right. probably convert all of that already, hopefully. Right. The first two years were straightforward backdoor Roth contributions. 2020 was the only year we had pre-tax IRA assets mixed with the IRA, with the after-tax IRA contributions. So maybe she's getting confused where she's got two IRAs. She's got the one IRA where the 403B went in, and then the other IRA where she was making the contributions and the conversions. And then so she was converting into the other IRA or making after-tax contributions in the other IRA and then converting them. And then they rolled the 403B in the other IRA and they were like, oops, now I got to add up all of my IRAs and divide my basis into the total amount to determine what my tax-free amount is. Um, that's the pro rata rule. Um, but if she converted 100% of that IRA, there is no basis in that. I, I mean, you're done. Yeah, if, that, what- if that's what she did. But I'm guessing there's still a large IRA out there, which means that you 
you have the same problem year after year. So this is a problem with people that have IRAs and they want to do a backdoor Roth conversion. It doesn't work because of those two rules, the pro rata rule and the aggregation rule. The IRS looks at all your IRAs as if it were a single IRA. You can't separate it that way. And then they look at how much tax basis you have. So in this example, $7,000 contribution, you divide that into your total IRAs. Let's just say 400,000, right? So 7,000 into 400,000 is probably only 2% or so of your, of your Roth conversion would be tax-free. The rest would be taxable. So you, you have to do that calculation. The only way that you get out of this is to roll an IRA back into a company 401k or 403b if you have a corporate plan that allows that. But that, And something else that we should mention, Joe, a lot of people don't realize it. They do their backdoor Roth and then they, then they pull their money out of their 401k or 403b before year end and think they're fine because they did the, Roth, the backdoor Roth first. And the IRS says, not so fast. It's your IRA balances at year end that determine the aggregation and pro rata rule. So just be careful of that. So um, hopefully that helps. Uh, th we kind of threw a lot at you there, Dee. Um, but what she did have a follow-up? Yeah, it's at the end of that page. Um, what page? The one with your one. question on it. It says 10, 14, 21 follow-up. Page seven. <laughs> I don't. Hmm. Oh, did you not print it? I, I sent it to you today. No, she I did said, not. I didn't it's, print it's very brief. Would you like me to read it? Please. Dear Joe, Alan, Andy, I have a follow-up Roth conversion question. I understand the reasoning behind paying the taxes on a Roth conversion from an account outside of the IRA. But if you wanted to do a conversion and did not have extra cash to pay the taxes, what is the process of paying the taxes on a Roth conversion from the IRA itself? Would you have to pay a 10% penalty as it may look like a distribution? Is there a way around this? Thanks, Dee from Irvine. Uh, depends on your age. See, this is what I was wondering. In her previous question, she says that they did a backdoor Roth contribution and paid the taxes on almost the entire amount of $7,000. That to me just sounds like a Roth contribution. Um, yeah. Which would mean that she's a, she or her husband are over 50. Uh, yeah, I think it was $7,000 too, right? Is what she yeah, it is $7,000, so they're over 50. So but that doesn't mean you got to be over 59 and a half. Right. If you're under 59 and a half and you do a, a Roth conversion and you pay the tax within the IRA, you will pay a 10% penalty plus tax. So right. it's never worth it to pay the tax no. to do no, a it's conversion not. when you're 50, under 59 and a half. Yeah, let's just do the, the quick math, right? In California, so D's in Irvine. So let's just say 24% federal tax, 10% penalties. So now you're 34, 9% state California. So now you're 43%, 2.5% state of California penalties. So now you're about 46% tax. Doesn't, it doesn't make any sense. We got Jennifer writes in from Philadelphia. Hello, I'm obsessed with your podcast. Jennifer. <laughs> uh, this was the first show on personal finance that is not only beyond entertaining, but you provide such helpful advice. It's great to hear different perspectives. Well, thank you, Jennifer. Beyond entertaining. What's beyond entertaining? Well, I would say that's pretty good. Yeah. The show is pretty, pretty, pretty good compliment. Entertaining. I gotta tell you, I, I just binge it. I just can't get <laughs> enough of it. What, you? Yourself? I'm kidding. I've never listened to this garbage. Have you ever b binged any podcast, Joe? Um, yeah. 
not really binged. I've listened to like two episodes in, in a row. <laughs> I don't uh, think that counts as binging at all. <laughs> really? And what was that? Was that a financial podcast? No, it was called um, Golf Subpar. Oh, <laughs> how to make your golf game better? No, it's just how to make uh, it subpar. <laughs> yeah, so that's my game. It's very subpar. Got it. So you uh, can relate to it. Yes. Um, all right. Uh, my husband, 36, and I, 38, will be receiving some cash bonuses in 2022. And I'm wondering if this should make us reconsider our Roth 401k strategy. Okay. Background. As of this year, my husband is currently maxing out his 401k savings into a Roth 401k. At my request, because I think accumulation, more savings in Roth is better in the long term. I would agree 100%, Jennifer. But next year, due to all of these one-time payments we expect to receive, he thinks about switching back to the traditional 401k beginning in 2022 would be better so we lessen our 2022 tax liability. I have two questions for you. Do you agree with that the additional income 2022 may not uh, may not the right year to do Roth 401k? Uh, did Jennifer tell us how much additional income? No, we it don't know. Says I think she says further oh, down. It goes on. Okay. okay, it goes on. I'm sorry. Yeah. Um, at our income level indicated below. Oh, see, I'm just kind of. <laughs> <laughs> jump the gun there we got so excited we had a question yes is is contributing more or less to a roth 401k a good retirement savings strategy no we continue to max out our roth iras i understand yet disagree with where my husband is coming from i'm concerned that 80 percent of our retirement portfolio is a traditional plan and given our ages i'm not sure if that's the right asset location mix here's our numbers as of july 2021 you think Jennifer's like an engineer? No, I think she listens to this show. She knows what asset location is. Nobody knows that except people she's who listen to YMYW. Super, super tight, super <laughs> smart. Yeah, she's tight. I, I think she's an engineer. I, yeah, that's what I would guess. CPA. I mean, this is Alan Clopine written mm. all over. <laughs> I mean, CPAs don't make as much as she does. I don't she's, know. She's like, well, here's my numbers as of July 27th, 2021. Okay, all right. <laughs> at at 2.15 p.m. Right. Uh, wife annual income two hundred seventy thousand. Husband annual income two hundred ten thousand. Total retirement portfolio nine hundred thirty six thousand. Uh, brokerage account two hundred. HSA twenty six. Money market one twenty. Uh, got a little car lease. Total cash combined. We are receiving two hundred thousand dollars cash bonus paid in installments February twenty twenty two to August twenty twenty two. Again, this is only a one time deal. A few more facts about us. We live in Philly, born and raised in the playground back. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, have no debt, no kids, yet no mortgage. We rent. Uh, we do hope to buy a house in the next one to two years. Our total expenses are nine to $10,000 a month. Thank you so much for taking the time to review my question, Jennifer. I was totally expecting you to turn that entire thing into the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. I could have. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. So the, the total retirement portfolio is 936000 but we don't know what's Roth or not, correct? Correct. It doesn't say. Okay. Uh Wife is making two seventy. He's so um, that's so, a pretty so healthy that's, income. That's four eighty plus another two hundred thousand of bonuses. Let's call it six eighty. 
Okay. Call it seven. Call it seven hundred thousand. Seven hundred. Easy math. Yeah. Okay. So they're going to be paying um, instead of thirty five, thirty seven. Yep. Um, they're already in the. Uh, so they're in the thirty five at four eighty. Yep. Um, in a couple bucks, we'll be in. 37, 35, 36, 37 at 40 years old. Yeah. I don't know. Um, I would definitely, I'm, uh, you know, my answer. I know your answer. You know, my your answer, <laughs> the opposite. <laughs> I would go with your husband, Jennifer. I would switch to the regular 401k cause you're in the highest bracket. And by the way, there is a tax proposal right now to increase the highest rate to 39.6 effective 2022. We don't know if that's going to pass or not, but I would probably go for the tax deduction just for this one time. And Joe, I think your answer is the opposite. Totally. I mean, they're young. They're 36 and 38 years old making a mint. They got already a million dollars saved. They, you know, they're not, it looks like they want to retire at like a normal retirement age. Um, 35 to 37 they already have a couple, almost a couple million dollars saved at 30, call it 35 years old. Are you kidding me? You double that. No, I go Roth all day long. They're going to be like in the 90% tax bracket once they have to pull that stuff out. <laughs> anyway, so we disagree on that one. <laughs> He's not even going to argue with you. He's just going to say we agree to disagree. Yeah, that sounds right. Yeah. Um, that's what I would. That's what I would do. Jennifer, you and I are a lot closer in age than Big Al. <laughs> By the time you retire, we're going to be, you know, putting roses on them. So. Oh wow. Is. <laughs> oh, slowly got a little dark. Yeah, you did. That changed the tone here. All of a sudden, you're gonna have to fix this in 20 seconds. <laughs> <laughs> no, because he, he'll be retired in Hawaii. What I mean by flowers, it's so a you're going to be putting a lay on him. Yes, I'll be putting a lay. Okay, oh, okay, that was a good recovery. <laughs> nice save, Joe. Hey, I want to make sure all of our dedicated or obsessed listeners are taking advantage of all the other free resources we've got at yourmoneyyourwealth.com besides the podcast. For example, are you watching Joe and Big Al in action on the Your Money Your Wealth TV show? The latest episodes like Power Up the compound effect, tips for financial success, money-saving tips for funding college, and financial planning must-dos before you retire are packed with great info. And each episode includes a free downloadable companion guide. And if you enjoy all of this entertaining financial education, the best way to say thanks is by helping us to spread the word. Share your favorite YMYW TV episode on social media. Forward our email newsletter to your mom or tell your friends to subscribe to YMYW in their favorite podcast app. We got uh, podcast survey questions, Alan. Yeah, so we'll probably do a little rap rapid fire, right? I suppose if you want to. And uh, I will say it's it's fun to be here with you live. Last week, I was in a remote location. It's been a couple of <laughs> weeks. That sounds so secret. I know. it's uh, It was Hawaii for <laughs> any of those that are you wondering. Look, you look tan. That could be, but it's probably burned. No, but it actually looks tan. <laughs> it does. It okay. Yeah, you're looking sharp. I use sunscreen every day, so I try to... Trying to preserve my skin as I age. Got it. Right? Got it. Uh, that's not one of the questions. <laughs> uh, it's not. Okay. But let's let's dive in. 
We don't have any names or anything on this, Andy. We're just no. These are these are questions that people sent in when they filled out the podcast survey, where we asked them to tell us how to make the show better. We said, by the way, do you have any questions that you'd like answered on the show? So we've been actually sitting on these since the end of August, and I apologize for that, but we're going to try and get through as many of these as possible now. And no, they did not give us their names because they wanted you to answer them without any influence on who they were. Got it. <laughs> okay. Because we do that often. I, we do. <laughs> we we sometimes you know. We sometimes make fun of people just because we can do because of their name. Right. Um, all right. Here we go. Uh, what should I do with leftover 529 money? Uh, well, okay. So 529, let's define that. That is a savings plan that individuals or couples use for college. You can put money into the plan that grows tax deferred. And when you use it for college expense, it is tax free. However, if you do not use it for college expense, uh, you will occur taxes on that in a penalty. You do. But the cool thing about 529 plans is you can change the beneficiary, right? So maybe it was for your child or your children and they didn't need to spend it all. So then it can be for your grandchildren. Should they come along? It could be for your brother, sister, for your nephew, niece, for your next door neighbor, whatever. <laughs> yeah, but most people don't want to do that. It's like, you're right, you know, unless it stays in the immediate family. Well, yeah, it stays in the family. Or, you know, a lot of people do this and don't realize it, Joe. It's, so they did it for their kids, but it's like, oh, wait a minute, I'm retired. Wouldn't it be fun to take a few classes? That would qualify. So you can change yourself as the beneficiary. Right. If, and if you just want to blow out of it, uh, just know that it's, it's taxes and penalties. So yeah, taxes on the on the, the growth, growth in only. income, mm-hmm. yeah, growth only plus penalty. So let's say you saved a hundred thousand dollars and it's worth 110,000. Okay. Um, the hundred thousand dollars would come back out tax free because it's after tax. The 10,000 would be subject to taxes and penalty or would the penalty occur on the 110,000? The penalties on the 10,000 and same only. with taxes. Yeah. Correct. So you can still get your principal back. You can, that's right. Um, so you're only going to get penalized on um, what is she laughing at? She's got- I'm, I'm just about to remind you, don't forget, you can also go to Golf Academy with this 529 money. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> well, there it's good we have you, Andy. Yes. I mean, look at she was just looking at me smiling. I know. And I was like, what did and I that, say? Then all of a sudden her fingers. <laughs> and, you know, we're on Zoom with Andy. And when she holds up her finger, it's ginormous because it's right in front of the camera. Um, so there you so, go. That's, so, so it's like we're being scolded. That's what you can do with your 529 money. Um, are there any special rules for 401A plans? Do they behave exactly like a 401K and 403B? Um, not necessarily. So 401A plans are still a, a, a retirement account or retirement plans offered by certain employers. Uh, the 401A plans in most circumstances are contributions that are done by the employer and that you have to elect what those contributions are in advance. So let's say in terms of how they're invested. No, in terms of the contribution. Amount. Oh, okay. I thought the 401a was more like the 401k. It, well, there's that too. There's yeah. multiple different flavors of the 401a plan. Okay. So let's say, um, for instance, there's a hospital in town that has a 401a plan sure. that they can elect because they have a 403b and a 401k and a 401a plan. Okay. The 401a plan is an employer plan that they're contributing to that the employee has to elect how much that they want to put into the overall plan. Got it. Um, when they like start employment. 
Okay. So let's say it's 4% and then they can't necessarily change it. Oh, so that's different than a 401k. You can change it all the time. 401k plan is a defined contribution plan that is totally discretionary. Got it. A 401a plan in other circumstances that I see is very similar to a 401k plan where it's a defined contribution plan that you can elect how much money that you put in. But I think each plan is a little bit different. And I, off the top of my head, I probably should have read these questions a little bit before, before, but, um, I don't know what's the true difference of the section A versus section K in the the 401 world. Well, I did do a little reading, not much, just to get more familiar. And and it seems like they're they're generally pretty similar uh, in terms of you can direct your own investments and so forth. Um, the 401A, we should say, so that's for generally for nonprofits, nonprofits and school yes. districts. Yeah. And 401K. Hospitals. Is, yeah, hospitals. 401K is for private companies. 403B is kind of a different animal though, right? 413, uh, 403B is 403 usually nonprofit as well, school districts uh, and so on. But that's, so. but that's more, that's, isn't that more when, when it's annuity based? I mean, that's generally what the investments are. Well, then there's the 403B7 where you can elect <laughs> mutual funds. Um, got it. So or, th- there are flavors on that. Too, you, you is got what it. you're saying. Yes. Okay. So initially the 403B was like the TSA, yeah. um, the tax sheltered annuity um, right. for school teachers. Got it. Um, but then the, the, uh, it evolved. And then the but, 403B7 yeah. is you can p- pick mutual funds. ETFs but I guess the concept that. is they're relatively similar, right? You can put the same amount in, away in each plan. Yes. Yeah. Uh, the contribution limits are the same 401A yep. plans. Um, are generally offered what yeah by governments and nonprofits. Yeah, yeah. So right. there okay. you go. Cool. There you have it. Um, Got it. Okay, Andy. Time. Keep going. You, right. you can keep going. All right. <laughs> can you have too much money in Ally Bank like accounts? Well, they're probably talking about the FDIC, FDIC limitation. Yeah. yeah, which it by the way is two hundred fifty thousand dollars per individual. Uh, but if you're married, you could each have an individual account for two fifty. And believe it or not, I've just looked this up. You could have a joint account for five hundred on top of your two individual accounts of two fifty each. And then if you have like a partnership or corporation, you could do another two hundred fifty thousand. So it's it's two hundred fifty thousand per person. But there's ways to get more in based upon different entities. And then that's per institution. Per institution, right? So let's say you're married and you do it. $500,000 joint account and two individual accounts. So you got a million dollars protected. Then you go to bank number two and do the same thing all over again. So, um, and, and I guess the idea behind that, Joe, FDIC is if the bank fails, the government steps in and, and pays it. Yeah. Um, but I guess the asset allocation is a totally different question, right? You know, <laughs> yeah, that may not be the right out asset yeah. allocation, but uh, I think that's probably what, well, I don't know, maybe, maybe they're talking about asset allocation, but the, what, the way I read that is, is, is the, protection. The yeah, yeah, me too. Okay. How should I calculate employer contributions to my solo 401k when income varies throughout the year? Also working remotely and trying to figure out taxes when providing services to multiple states. Well, um, Al, what would you say the employer contribution would be? The match of the 401k. So the, the maximum allowable is, well, you can put 19.5 as the employee contribution. The right. employer contribution would be a match based on the profitability of the overall organization. Yeah. So let's start with the 19.5 plus another 6,500 if, if you're, you're over 50. 50 and older. 
right? But you have to have that much income to be able to put that much in. So let's start there. If you only have 10,000 of income, you're limited to $10,000 contribution. But um, yeah, 19.5 if you're under 50, 26,000 if you're over 50. So that's the employee part. That's that's relatively easy. The employer part, a lot, most times you, you don't really know what the profits are until after the year end. And so the IRS allows you to make those employer contributions uh, and even employee when it's a solo K after the fact, all the way up to the due date of the return, which typically is April 15th. But when you extend your tax return, you can extend it if, if you're an individual, you can extend it all the way to October 15th to make that employer and even employee contribution when it's a solo 401k. Here's one for you, Big Al. Could you please explain AMT tax? Yeah. How long do you have? Now let's do it in 30 <laughs> seconds or less. I'll, I'll give you a little history lesson. 1969. Oh, my. There was 155 people that had adjusted gross incomes over 200000 and paid no tax. So the government got all up in arms about that and said, wait a minute, there's got to be a way to make them pay tax. And the reason they did is because they loaded up on tax deductions. And so the IRS uh, and government came up with a strategy to make them pay at least a minimum tax, right? That's the alternative minimum tax. And essentially the rules between the regular tax system and the alternative system are similar. It's just that not all items are deductible. The main one that's not deductible is state taxes, property taxes on the alternative minimum tax system. And in the past, when state taxes and property taxes were fully deductible, then and they weren't on, on the AMT alternative minimum tax side, then you had a lot of people subject to that. Not so much anymore, Joe, because the state taxes are only deductible to the extent of $10,000, so it doesn't pop up too much. But there's some differences. One notable one is if you have an incentive stock option that, um, that you exercise, that's an alternative minimum tax income, but it's not a regular tax income. So there still are reasons where you could get into it. But the whole point was to make to have the the wealthy pay at least some tax. And unfortunately, now the AMT is being paid by almost everybody, it seems, <laughs> or at least it was. Yeah, or was before the change a couple of years ago. Yeah. All right. Any new uh, changes in tax laws that impact retirement income strategies in the state plans? Yes, we 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 did a whole show on this. <laughs> Um, well, we could, we can give a little snippet, like, like if you have a large IRA over $10 million, you would have to start taking required minimum distributions from that, regardless of your age. Uh, the mega backdoor, backdoor Roth, I guess, which, uh, is if you have post-tax money, uh, in, uh, in a 401k, they don't want you to be able to put that directly into a Roth IRA. And then the backdoor Roth, uh, that, <laughs> that may be gone too. Starting the beginning of next year, this is the proposal anyway. Yeah. And it, it looks that it might be, um, I don't know if it's going to pass or not. I don't either. <laughs> I mean, it, it's not looking good. Um, according to this week anyway, um, you know, they're trying to push some big initiatives yep. and, uh, I don't think the parties are agreeing. So we'll yeah. see what happens. And, and you know, when we and when the question is any new changes to tax laws, well, there's <laughs> the answer is no. There's proposals. Let's let's be clear on that. There's proposals that have not passed yet. Yeah. And it, um, if you want to hear more about that particular proposal, it's episode 344 of the podcast. It's called It Could Be Over for the Mega Backdoor Roth IRA. So you can check that out at yourmoneyyourwealth.com. Cool. All right. Um, let's see. If I hold crypto uh, that I currently uh, stake for rewards around four to five percent annual returns. 
Um, should I treat that the same as something like additional income from a rental home or not include it at all for now? So I, I think they're asking, is that like a fixed income source? You know, we talk about social security, pensions, rental income is a fixed income source. I'm, no, I I'm guessing. You're totally guessing. We don't <laughs> well, know anything about cryptocurrency. Well, but if it's, if I'm, if, if the question is what I think it is, I would, the answer is no, because there's no certainty on a four or 5% annual. No, I think he's asking about taxes. Well, he's staking it for rewards at four and a 5% annual return. So is he getting, is he selling? I don't even know what stake for rewards means. <laughs> Me neither. So I, I read this basically what I, how I read it is that he's thinking this counts like his, his fixed income. I you don't think that's the question? Not even close. <laughs> well, if I'm right, the answer is no. <laughs> How about this? How would you tax cryptocurrency? Oh my gosh! So, so that's it's taxed right now as capital gain. Uh, yeah, that's tricky. Yeah, it's short-term or long-term capital gain depending upon your hold period. And so, if you just are buying it and selling it, it's just like any other stock or mutual fund. But here's where it gets tricky: is if you're using it to buy things. Every single time you buy something, now you have a gain or loss on the cryptocurrency that you owned. It, it gets so complicated. So if I'm using it as an investment, um, then there it, it's taxed at capital gains. But if, if I'm using it to purchase something you think I'm going to be taxed differently than long-term or short-term? Same, same. Long-term, short-term. But then it's just figuring out what you're saying is that it's just kind of you have to keep track of your basis on yeah. every time every, you make every a purchase. purchase. Yeah. yeah. So you, you purchase 75 things. You've got 75 gain loss transactions. You gotta got to put it. on your return. Right. <laughs> Don't do it. <laughs> okay. Um, let's see. Upon retirement, uh, note to listener. Uh, don't ask crypto que- uh, questions because <laughs> we don't know the answer. Um, At least not on this show. <laughs> yes. Upon retirement, I'll have zero income for about eight years. Uh, when Social Security kicks in, I plan on doing Roth conversions each year and hopefully have everything in Roth before Social Security. During those eight years, I'll be creating some income from my savings for on investments. Does that affect my income tax brackets for conversion purposes uh, so that income is added on or after the conversion brackets? Thanks. Um, it, it really depends. So you want to just, if you have savings and you're just taking it from your savings account, there's going to be very little tax impact because you're only sure. going to be taxed on the interest. Right. If you have other investments that are in a brokerage account that you're selling, that could be subject to capital gains. Well, yeah, then you have to calculate how much capital gains is going to be on your, um, on, on those transactions each year. And that could affect the amount that you want to do, um, in regards to conversions. But, um, we would need just a little bit more information on that. We don't know who asked the question, but I think you get the gist. Thank you all for listening today. Your Money, Your Wealth is presented by Pure Financial Advisors. Click that Get an Assessment button in the podcast show notes at yourmoneyyourwealth.com or call 888-994-6257 to schedule your free financial assessment video call. It doesn't matter where you are in the country. Chances are one of the certified financial planner professionals at Pure will be able to identify strategies to help you create a more successful retirement. Pure Financial Advisors is a registered investment advisor. This show does not intend to provide personalized investment advice through this broadcast and does not represent that the securities or services discussed are suitable for any investor. Investors are advised not to rely on any information contained in the broadcast in the process of making a full and informed investment decision.